Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast, a high vibe space where we talk about all things spirituality, manifestation, raising our vibrations and walking away from the manifestation block that is alcohol. Whether you're newly sober, sober curious or you've been sober for a long time, this is the place for you if you want to learn more about spirituality, manifestation and how letting go of alcohol can make you so much more powerful at manifesting. It's time to stop drinking, start living, raise our vibrations and step into our manifestation power. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast. I don't know about you, but because it's been sunny for the last couple of days, I've just been feeling super, super sociable, and I've just been loving going and meeting my friends, um, sitting outside, enjoying the sunshine, having alcohol-free beers or alcohol-free gins and um, coffees, (laughs) and just I just want to be out and with people and doing stuff. Uh, I think having obviously lighter evenings in the UK makes that even more pleasurable. Uh, I just want to remind you, I know I've mentioned this many times before, but um, you don't have to deprive yourself of anything at all just because you don't drink alcohol. Enjoy the wonderful social occasions that the summer offers. Enjoy the celebrations. Um, You just change the liquid in your glass. That's literally it. Um, And I certainly enjoy these things 10 times more now that I don't drink. I really, really do. Like We're just winning when we don't drink alcohol. Um, So get out there and enjoy the sun and the social events that go with it if you haven't started that already. Before we get started with this week's episode, um, which is entitled Don't Be a Slave to Your Neural Programming. I just want to remind you of the things I have on offer currently. So as always, if you want to book in for a free discovery call with me, um, just send me an email to thrive at coachingbyannika.co.uk. Annika is spelled A-N-N-E-K-A. Um, I'm also offering my 30-day sober challenge for £20. If you click the link in my show notes to my stand store, you can purchase that. It's 30 days of audio um clips from me that I send you and email them to you every morning at six o'clock UK time and all you have to do is listen to the sound of my voice. Some days I'm giving you a pep talk, other days there's a little meditation there um, and it's just really designed so that you feel like I'm holding your hand each step of the way through those 30 days um, alcohol free. I've had some really really lovely feedback actually from the people that have bought that so far Um, so yeah give it a go. If you would like to get yourself on the wait list for the next round of Sober and Soulful, it starts on the 3rd of June um, and just send me an email to thrive at coachingbyannika.co.uk. There's also a link in the show notes um, to find out more information about Sober and Soulful. Round two is just about to finish up and um, as always, we've got we've had some really lovely shifts um, and perspective changes in the participants. So I yeah, it's just been such a pleasure to to guide people through. Um, you can still buy the Alcohol Free Vibes Journal on Amazon if you so wish. I think it's $8.99 on there. Um, and yeah, if you click the stand store link in the show notes as well, there's also um, a link to, the, to my free masterclass on sober socialising, which you might find helpful, especially as we are going into a slightly more sociable period. 
Um, and there's also my free 30 day sober curious reset guide there as well. So moving on to today's episode. So I wanted to talk to you today about the idea of being a slave to our neural programming. Now, what do I actually mean by neural programming and what does it have to do with manifestation? Well, when we are children between the ages of naught to seven, we are on a completely different brainwave to the brainwave that you are currently on. So we're on what is known as a theta brainwave. Uh, and as an adult now, you're currently on a beta brainwave all the time. So a theta brainwave, we, we still go into theta as adults, but it's what we would know as a hypnotic state. We also go... Um, in and out of theta when we're well we go into theta when we're going into and out of sleep because you kind of go it's like a uh, going down the scales on a piano you go um be uh beta alpha theta delta and then up the scale again so you move in and out of it in a, when, as you're going in and out of sleep and we also um go on to a theta brainwave as adults when we're going into hypnotic states so often when we're in the shower uh when we're watching television when we're driving our cars um when we're on autopilot we go on to a theta brainwave but between the ages of naught to seven we're on a theta brainwave all the time or apart from when we're asleep when we're on delta what does this actually mean this means that we are literally a walking subconscious when we are between the ages of naught to seven um, and our brains are like little video recorders. We're literally taking in everything around us and we are laying down neural programs to make sense of the world. So kind of like, I mean, we, our brains are very much like supercomputers. We're, la- we're laying down computer programs. So for example, you know, if you watch a small baby um, learning that when you push a ball, it moves away from them. You know, they're laying down that, that computer program like, this is what happens when I push a ball. Um, and as as all of these programs like grow and, you know, we add and add and add to them, our understanding of the world and how to react and respond to it grows and develops. Um, and so many of these programs that we lay down are obviously really, really helpful and important for our development. But of course, it's, it's in, inescapable that during this period of 0 to 7, there are going to be some programs that we lay down that are not helpful and that hold us back. And essentially, when we start to do the deep work on manifestation and up-leveling our life experience, what we really, really want to do is we want to find out where we've laid down unhelpful neural programs in this age between 0 to 7. Um, And people call these like small t, childhood trauma. Um, But I had a, a, a one of these open soulful calls recently somebody mentioned and I quite understand this actually that they kind of find the word trauma a bit traumatizing because trauma sounds so scary doesn't it and of course big t trauma is um we think of trauma and you think oh no I don't want to go there it kind of creates resistance and really when we're looking at small t trauma like there, there will be things that are a little bit upsetting in our memory but we're really just looking at where we've laid down unhelpful programs and where we can change them. And it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone's done anything bad. It's just one of those things. And we're not looking to demonize our parents or whoever was a part of creating these programs. We're just looking at understanding how our brains laid down certain programs. And it's not necessarily what the the caregiver did or the person did, it's how we perceived it as a child. So I'll give you an example. 
you if you have a memory of having been bought an ice cream as a child and walking along the beach thinking get in i've got the best ice cream ever and then a seagull swipes down and knocks out of your hand and you cry and your parents don't have any money to buy you another one on them and then you go home without and having had an ice cream um that you could um lay down a neural program that oh whenever i get given something really amazing it, it it gets taken away um you've laid down that belief that understanding of this is what happens in the world and this then as an adult can become a manifestation block because that that program is running in your subconscious and you attract more of that into your life and when you understand that this program is there you can actually um, affect it you can you can witness it coming up in your life you can um, and you can kind of change it um, so that you can manipulate and improve the the vibrational reality that you're living in now so we've all we're all a complete um, mass of neural programs that we've laid down all our lives and of course we've laid them down that the core ones between naught to seven when we're on this theta brainwave but we still continue to collect life experiences and traumatic experiences in adulthood that add to and affect our understanding of what reality is now many of these things are kind of confirming what we laid down in childhood um and yeah they're they're all affecting our experience and for this reason we all live in different worlds we all live in different universes and this is sometimes why humans kind of come to disagreements or don't understand each other um and i always love to come back to that that reminder when i'm when i feel like people are talking across purposes or you know if i'm finding it hard to um, communicate with somebody it's just just to remember that we all live in different worlds and what I perceive in a situation might not be how someone else perceives it because my neural programs are different and they're based on my life experience so far and this is often why like we we get on with and we resonate with people that might have had similar life experiences to us and actually similar types of um, trauma and um, big t or small t because they've affected the kind of lens that we're looking at the world through and when we talk about lenses really it's important to recognize that the reality that you are perceiving and experiencing is only a fragment of what's actually happening because in any given moment um, I think it's sorry in any second we are susceptible to and these, these are not exact figures but they are roughly right um something like two 2.3 million bits of sensory information um and we can process 200 and something in in any given second now there's a massive disparity there isn't there between the sensory information that we are susceptible to and what we can actually process so we have um a part of our brain called the reticular activating system and this is basically a filter which kind of edits our reality it puts together the relevant bits for us so that we're like okay cool this is what's going on we need our reticular activating system because if we didn't see the world in that way it would just be so overwhelming like nothing would make any sense so our reticular activating system like filters and edits our reality for us how does it do this <laughs> well it uses all of our programs that we've laid down um, and within our programs we've got all of our limiting beliefs 
um, our beliefs around what reality is, our expectations. Um, we've got all of our childhood wounds. We've also got like all of our positive experiences, of course. Um, we've got, um, you know, our shadow parts, the parts of ourselves that we reject. We've got our values, what we what we expect from life. And basically every experience we've ever had is affecting this filter. So this is a psychological explanation as to why we live in different worlds because we all have slightly different reticular activating systems. Uh, um, an example of this might be you could put um, two different people into the same music festival and put them in all the same gigs, um, very similar parts of the camping site, hanging out with sort of like, you know, doing pretty much the same thing around the same sort of people the whole time and they could both walk away and have completely different experiences one person might be like that was the best best one i've ever been to it was incredible and the other person might be like yeah no like i i didn't enjoy that at all it really annoyed me like there was loads of stuff that really got my nerves and that they could have done better um there wasn't this there wasn't that and that's because their reticular activating systems are focusing on different things and noticing different things based on their own neural wiring. Now, the really interesting thing is because we, um, when we only see like a small part of the picture, we're only reacting and responding to that part of the picture. So this is where our neural programming is affecting how we, what we manifest. Because if you're only reacting and responding and moving towards a certain part of the picture, then that's what you're creating more of and you're multiplying in your life, right? Um, and so you're either multiplying more of what you don't want and things that are making you feel horrible or you're multiplying things that you do want. So when we start to manipulate what our reticular activating system is showing us, we're giving ourselves the opportunity to move towards more of what we want. Maybe things that we've never had before. Um, we're giving ourselves the potential to draw those into our reality because we are moving towards them and we're able to react and respond to them. Now, many of you know that I don't have a television in my apartment. I love not having a television, which, you know, if if the 90s teenager um, of me when I was younger had known that I would ever be saying this, she would have been appalled because I used to love, I was a classic 90s child, you know, get off the school bus, come home, watch Neighbours and Home and Away, you know, and then when I moved it, you know, to university, well, sixth form university age, you know, I was watching Friends on Loop as we all did in those days. So I did used to love watching the TV, but I really don't anymore because... I know that when we're watching the television, we're just being hypnotized and I do watch things. Um, I, I have uh, Gaia on a uh, subscription. I watch things on my laptop. I do like going to the cinema, but I like to be very, very selective about what I'm watching because we are being hypnotized when we're watching it and I just want to be in control of what's what I'm being hypnotized with. But I do know from speaking to one of my very, very good friends, um, who's also a psychotherapist. Actually, she's been on this podcast. So I'm going to say her name, Victoria Maskell. Um, she, like me, is also very selective about what she watches for, for the same reason. But she is really into watching um, a show called Married at First Sight. Now, her and I both agree on reality TV shows. When you are a psychotherapist or a coach like myself and her, um, they have a whole new level of meaning because we just love watching how people behave <laughs> um, and analysing it. So she was telling me 
she's been watching Married at First Sight and she saw a classic example of somebody being a slave to their neural programming because there was this couple who, I don't know their names because I haven't watched it, but they were clearly like a really, really good match. The guy was clearly really into the girl and they really liked each other. However, the girl had had quite a lot of traumatic experiences in terms of her past relationships and they all seemed to follow the same pattern and go the same sort of way. And you could see that the guy that she'd matched with on Married at First Sight was just not that kind of guy. Like he really liked her. He was really everything that she wanted on her manifestation list. But she wasn't able to see that. Okay, so she, um, her brain um, was recreating all the trauma and drama from all of her other relationships by noticing small things within their relationship that reminded her of those ones. And she was kind of focusing on them and creating drama and arguments around them when in fact they were not really what was going on. Um, and the the guy was getting really kind of frustrated, I suppose, because he was trying to prove to her that no, 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 that's that's actually not what this is like. And I don't mind about you've got a child and etc etc and it's it's not a problem and she was like no but you know this is a problem because it's because i've got a child isn't it and i'm like no it's really not like I've, it's not a problem um i might have got that detail wrong but it was sort of yeah similar sorts of things um and yeah so my friend victoria was just saying it was just so sad to watch because it was just a classic example of she was recreating um stories in her mind around trauma that she's had in past relationships and actually what she was doing without without realizing it at all was she was sabotaging and pushing away the relationship that she'd been manifesting because her neural programming couldn't let her see it for what it was it it was it was making her recreate a, a traumatic loop that that she that she wanted to move away from um and this is just so interesting when we think about, you know, we all do this in our own different ways when we create repeating loops in our lives because our brains are kind of skew-whiffy, if you like, and make us see things sometimes for how they really are not um, and make us just pull towards a reality, a sorry, pull a reality towards us that we actually really, really don't want anymore. Another example, I think I've given it before, is when I was at university, I had this belief that like I wasn't attractive and no one fancied me. And because I believed that, I never noticed whenever people were trying to chat me up, <laughs> whenever people fancied me and I ignored them. And um, therefore, I didn't move towards that reality. I stayed stuck in my reality that nobody found me attractive and no one fancied me. So I like put, I basically just put blinkers on. Um and in the same way, you know, similar to the married at first sight, you know, if we're going to live in this reality where we're assuming that someone is going to hurt us um, when we start a relationship with them, we're not going to notice all the lovely reassurance that they give us. And we're just going to focus on the fear around the fact that they're going to hurt us. And the more and more we focus on that and obsess about that, then we're just starting to make that come true. Um, so being, being a slave to our neural programming it's not something we want to do. <laughs> um, Dr. Joe Dispenza argues that when we get past the age of 30, we've got so many automatic subconscious programs running in our brain that we actually lose all free will, which I just think is such a scary thought. <laughs> um, it's very, 
yeah it's such a reality check to hear that um and it makes sense it really 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 makes sense to me but worry not because when we do the work when we start to self-witness we give ourselves the power to to take back our free will and to take back our our manifestation power and for me there are two massive components to breaking free from what i call the neural prison number one is self-witnessing and number two is nervous system regulation so self-witnessing is so important because we need to work out what our patterns are like what what our behaviors are and why and how we've been drawing the reality towards us that we have been and this is where we start to take responsibility because there's one common factor in everything that's ever happened to you and that is you. Now that doesn't mean to say that if you've um, been a victim of like abuse that that's your fault. No, that's absolutely not true. Um, so that is separate. Um, but in general terms for things that are not full-on abuse we're just looking at patterns in relationships for example or patterns in our money or career circumstances we are the one common factor um, and just starting to self-witness and look at right what are my patterns when do they start when do they stop how do I react to things and also what thoughts am I having about things and people before I react and those thoughts are so so helpful and important and this word curiosity is just so powerful when it comes to self-witnessing because as soon as we start judging or having a go at ourselves we actually lose a bit of our ability to properly self-witness because when we're judging we're going into an ego state and our ego to be honest is terrible at self-witnessing our ego is the one that creates all of these stories of fear and catastrophe. Um, you know, the stories that the, the person in Married at First Sight, the lady, would have been telling herself, they would have all been coming from her ego. Or he's this, he's that, he's going to hurt you, he thinks this, he thinks that. Our ego is not helpful. So if we, we want to move away from any like fear-based, judgment-based um, thoughts and feelings about ourselves. We want to step into the energy of curiosity um, of gentle wisdom, of gentle observation. This is where we move into the energy of our higher self. And something that I find massively helpful with this journey of self-witnessing is journaling. Um, and I call it a journey of self-witnessing. And I know the word journey gets overused a lot now in this space. And some people have kind of gone off it a little bit, but pathway, whatever you want to call it. Um, really when we're teaching ourselves to self-witness we are growing an area of our brain our brain obviously is not a muscle we know this it's a massive neural pathways but we can use the metaphor of muscles in the same way because just as much as you know we we lift heavy weights in the gym we build strength in our muscles um we when we use parts of our brain more and more we're building and creating more and more neural pathways and parts of our brain obviously get denser and bigger because we've created more neural pathways so we want to create more and more and more and more neural pathways in the area of our brain that allows us to self-witness so it is a skill that when you first start doing it we might find really really difficult and the more you come back to it as a daily practice the better and better and better you will get at it so so many people say to me when I run workshops like oh, Anika you're so good at self-witnessing like I don't even know how I'll be able to do that you know when I give examples of ways I've witnessed myself 
And my answer to that is I'm I'm no better than anyone else. I just do it all the time because I I see the value in it. I know how powerful it is. And I've just practiced, you know, just as much as someone that's been having personal training for a year or going to CrossFit for a year, they're going to feel strong and fit because they've just kept going. It's the same with self-witnessing. It's like mind gym, spirituality gym. So we really, really gain our power back when we self-witness and we really just want to focus on that question. How am I feeling? What's going on? Why did I do that? Why did I feel like that? Like, where's that coming from? Like, why? Why, 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 why? And we're always just digging, like, hmm, when have I behaved like that before? And does that make me feel the same way? And where's that come from? And the more we dig, 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 dig like that, we start to have light bulb moments where we realise, oh, this is not about this. This is about something else. So, for example, I had a situation um, a few months ago where I noticed I felt really, really emotional about something. Um and I was able to self-witness in that moment and suddenly be like, this has got nothing to do with what's going on in front of me. What's going on in front of me is minor and normal and there's absolutely nothing to have an emotional reaction about. The reason I'm feeling emotional is because it's reminding me of when I was 10. It's reminding me of a situation when I was 10 that made me feel small. That's why I feel emotional. And it was so helpful that I had that revelation because it meant that I was able to not then take that out on the person in that situation and make it about them because they hadn't done anything wrong. They were just living their life. Um, so it can be so powerful. And when you catch yourself in the moment and you go ding and the little light bulb goes off, then you're just like, yes, winning at life. I've just broken out of my neural path, um, neural programming. I've, I've given myself the power to not be a slave to my neural programming. So being able to witness in these ways is a beautiful process. We also need to focus on nervous system regulation. So yeah, it's one thing controlling our mind and understanding and perceiving our mind, but we also need to manage our body because in that situation where I was triggered, I felt emotional, I caught myself, I was like, oh, this isn't about this at all, is it? Okay, noted. However, at which point my nervous system was already dysregulated because it's it's a subconscious automatic thing when our nervous system gets dysregulated. It happens before we fully realise we've had the thought. So we now need to regulate our nervous system. Um, and it's so important to do that because when, when we're dysregulated, we actually perceive things incorrectly. So we can't trust our judgment when we're feeling dysregulated. A friendly face will look sarcastic or angry. Um, a, a laugh will sound like um, it's it's somebody jeering at us. Like we will just read read the situation wrong. We can't trust ourselves. So the next thing is is to regulate your nervous system. Now we can do this through breath work um, and through touch and movement. Remember your your brain's language is words. Your body's language is breath movement and touch um, and somatic they, these are basically somatic release practices which you can google or have a look at on youtube i also teach these in, in many of my courses and workshops um, but yeah the self-witnessing and the nervous system regulation they really do go hand in hand and i would say they're they're kind of like the backbone to like serious long-term conscious manifestation so what has this got to do with alcohol then <laughs> It has a lot to do with alcohol, I think, because I personally don't think that you can witness yourself in the same way when you are drinking on the regular. 
So, you, of course, everyone can work on themselves, whether they're drinking or not. But I think the ability to work on yourself on a deep level, oh my goodness, it is multiplied by 100 when you stop numbing. Now, if you're somebody that drinks once every two weeks and you have like one or two, you know, you know, if you're someone that really doesn't drink that much at all, you're, you're just not someone that drinks much, then I would say you'd probably be able to get really, very far with doing this kind of self-witnessing work on yourself while still doing that. However, if like many people in the UK and certainly like um, I have been at certain points in my drinking journey, if you're drinking wine every evening, then no, you can't, you can't witness yourself, you can't heal and work on yourself in the same way because you're spending most of your time numbed out. Um, because even when you have sobered up um, the next day from alcohol, you're not really yourself. It takes a while to get back to yourself. It takes a few days, really it takes, well, it takes three months really, but um, it, it, if you're drinking a bottle of wine a night, like you absolutely are not able to self-witness um, and to and to really look at your patterns. And also, let's bear in mind that when we are drinking, we have lowered our inhibitions. We The ways that we react and behave <clears throat> and respond to things is not us being our authentic normal selves. Um, so that causes disorientation. Um, and also, <clears throat> sorry, before, during and after uh, drinking alcohol, how we feel is completely confused like we get used to when we drink alcohol ignoring the fact that we feel sad and anxious the next day because we're like oh it's because I'm hungover I'm just I'm just going to ignore the fact that I feel like that whereas when we don't drink every single feeling that we feel we're like oh what's that about let me why do I feel like that like where's that come from let me have a look at that um, so we start actually taking our feelings a bit more seriously. And how do you witness yourself when you can't take half of your feelings seriously because you don't know if it's because you're hungover or if it's because it's actually something you need to look at? So I think when we take alcohol out of the picture, we just we can see the wood for the trees more when it comes to that self-witnessing. And when we've started to really get a clearer picture on what's going on, and I say started to in that it's never done, we're always we're always adding to this picture we're always growing we're always learning more about ourselves but when um what what we're moving towards is to create a new version of self and this is a part this is what the manifestation process is it's about stepping into the vibration of the version of the self that we want to be who has the things that we want right and we can do this when we've witnessed ourselves, when we notice our patterns, we give ourselves choices and we can start to prime our reticular activating system to collect evidence to prove certain beliefs that we might have had wrong. And this is this is basically cognitive behavioral therapy, right? So if you have always believed, um, like well, I did when I was at uni, that nobody fancied me, for example, this is like such a, such a vulnerable slash slightly um, teenage thing that I dealt with when I was younger. So <clears throat> I'm sure other people can relate to this too. Um, I only managed to get rid of that belief by collecting evidence to prove to myself that that wasn't true. Um, and really I had to really look for and make a point of, of noticing when people gave me compliments when people came and chatted me up um and after time of collecting enough evidence for myself I started to believe like no that wasn't that's not true <laughs> I'm no different to anyone else like that's just not true and I started to create a new version of self and 
I really, it's what, what a lot of people refer to is I changed my self-concept. I changed how I saw myself. And when we change how we see ourselves, we change how everyone else sees us. We change how we subconsciously behave, the vibrations we give off. Um, we change everything that we're giving out and it affects everything that comes back to us. And this is really how we change our vibrations and we, we kind of start to affect the law of attraction. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the term law of assumption. It's kind of the law of attraction, really, but it's giving it a slightly different slant in that when we look at um, the law of attraction, something that we want to avoid doing is what's known as manic manifesting. When you want something so much and you obsess about it that you kind of create resistance and push it away. The law of assumption kind of helps us to remember that like we need to hold it loosely. Because when you assume something, you're not desperate for it. You're just like, yeah, that's that's totally going to happen. It's already done. All is well. I'll just chill over here. It's done. Um, I'm assuming that's already been sorted for me by the universe. Um, and when we changed our self-concepts and what we deserve and who we think we are, we can lean into the law of assumption and be like, well, obviously I'm going to get that. Because why wouldn't I? Like, why not? Um, and we can kind of surrender and let our reality shift around us. So that is a kind of potted explanation of how we can avoid being slaves to our neural programming. Um, it is so powerful when you start to do it and you start to notice moments where you have just avoided being a slave to your neural programs and you're like, oh, I could have sabotaged that new manifestation and I didn't because I realise that that ego voice in my head telling me not to trust that person or that or not to do this or that I wasn't worthy of that, I realised that was my neural programming and I ignored it, I proved it wrong and my manifestations come through. It's so amazing when it happens. So I hope you found that helpful. If you've got any further questions on um, not being a slave to your neural programming, do reach out to me. Um, and if you want any coaching on this, then feel free to book in a free discovery call to chat to me more about it. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to me today. If you would like to have the chance of winning a free one-to-one coaching session with me, then I'd love it if you could leave me a five-star review. All you need to do is take a screenshot of the review and send it to me at thrive at coachingbyannika.co.uk and I would love to connect with you. If you would like to connect with me further and you'd like to download my free guide, then please go to my website and you can do that and you'll be added to my mail list. Or if you would just like to book in a free discovery call with me, then you can do so via my email address or through my website. All of these links will be in the show notes. And I hope you have a wonderful, magical, sober week. And I will see you this time next week.